to Sermon Seasonings, a podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we look in more depth at the passage we explored on Sunday. I'm David Mears. And I'm Mandy Curley. On Sunday, we looked at Ephesians chapter 3 and saw the boundless riches of Christ. We saw all that God has done in and through him and then ended with that magnificent prayer that we would actually have the power to understand all of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. Dave, thanks heaps for opening God's word for us. It's a pleasure, and uh, and it's it's been an interesting journey, hasn't it? Hasn't it? Going through Ephesians one to three, because one thing about Ephesians is it falls very very neatly into two halves. It, it, it's that's not one that you're left guessing when you're trying to work out the structure of the book. Yeah. The first three chapters are very much an exploration, a theological exploration, that and, and that has this big ending that is the doxology at the end of chapter three and so it, it is a unit so what, what are some of your reflections on um, Ephesians 1 to 3 as, as a blog. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is such a beautiful, I love Ephesians and really that whole idea of what it means to be in Christ is the thing that just, you can't walk away from the beginning of Ephesians and not, not get that picture. We've seen right from the beginning of the way that uh, we are a part of God's grand plan in the world, that he has chosen us in Christ since before the creation of the world. He is working his plans and purposes out in and through us and gets to include us in it. And there's all these wonderful little insights we get about the way that you know we've been included in Christ and now participate with Christ in the heavenly realms right now, things that blow our minds. And that as we see that, there is Paul just brings through this thankfulness and joyfulness because of what God has done for us in Christ. And that really that's the only way that we can respond. We've gone from being dead to being alive. We've mm. gone from being separate to being with him and included in him. Um, and we saw that picture of you know the way the Jew and Gentiles come together and just how beautiful uh, that picture is of that one new humanity. And mm. I think in that there's a great assurance that we can have of who God is and what he's doing and that we can rest in him. Uh, there is a future that is assured for us in Christ. Um, he's died and risen again so we can know that. And, you know, it's the way that Paul prays. I've been really encouraged to think, yep, we can keep praying like that, yeah. that God will work in and through us and knowing praying, that, Praying bigger and deeper and things like that. Yeah, yeah. and because of who we are, because mm. we're in Christ. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, if I would say dawned on me more powerfully, I think doing Ephesians, the, the double of at the end of Ephesians 2 and the beginning of Ephesians 3, is, uh, I think um, it, it hit me that uh, we will never really get how big the Jew-Gentile thing as because apart from the fact that we're Gentiles, we're just um, we're just removed from it, I think, and so we can access it intellectually. And so, it was really uh, thinking that if you were a, a a Roman walking or a Greek walking around in the first century, you're not walking around going, oh, Jews, Jews, this and 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 I don't, um, I'm missing out on the Jewish God. They would have been less conscious of it but the Jews were thoroughly, thoroughly mm. conscious of it. And so that's when even looking back over Acts, the, uh, the, the yep. back ends, you just saw how how seriously hostile they were to any idea of Gentile involvement. And uh, and it's like the, you know, we've been dealing with Jeremiah and how 
they were historically way, way too lax about their involvement with the nations. And it's like it flips to this extreme <laughs> yeah. in the first century where, where they won't even set foot in their houses and things like that. And so, um, and just to, so Paul, you can see, is trying to push upon them to say, don't you get how amazing this is? Mm. He's a former Pharisee, right? And yeah. so he's going, this blows my mind. I want you to get how amazing it is. So, so I think I felt like that's, um, been fresher for me and I'm wondering whether next time I get into Romans and Galatians and play and books like that that uh, that it might have a bit more um, uh, kick mm. even than it had already yeah. um, so being in Christ is what we looked at and 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 we see in Ephesians 1 to 3 that that's our great identity as Christian individuals mm. but also as a fellowship of believers we are his church mm. and and we are something that God glories in before the whole universe. Mm. And, and and so it's a great time when we're separated to be able to remember how important it is that we are together and we make sure we get back together yep. when we can. Yeah. Um, and so that's actually what we thought we'd talk a bit about for the rest of today is actually understanding we are in unique times. Like mm. I, I was reflecting last night in, in um, at the talk at EC, that for many people, especially younger people, but probably for really all of us, this is one of the biggest times of trial that many of us will have mm. faced, most sustained um, things. We can think of awful griefs and griefs and illnesses that, that might sort of come in with it. But but for the whole country, this has just been mm. huge. Yeah. And so we actually thought what we'd do today is do a little bit about of a thinking about COVID special. So how does bouncing off some of the stuff that we've looked at in 1 to 3 of Ephesians of, of who we are in Christ how does knowing that we're in Christ and what that means impact how we approach life during covid yeah. um, so we thought we'd tackle this and we'd do it by answering three questions three key questions so first is what big truths can we hold in onto at this time Second one is, what faith challenges should we watch out for mm. that COVID presents? And then the third one is, what opportunities does this forced lockdown provide for us to actually flourish mm. as Christians? Because each of those ha has an answer, and I think it's worth us reflecting upon and, 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 and sharing with one another when we get into our growth groups and things like that. So let, let's kick off with the first of those big questions. Um, what big truths can we hold on to? Well, Dave, what big truths should we hold on to? Um, all 66 books of the Bible, every single verse. Absolutely. hold, And you are holding it. Literally. And you can't see this if you're listening, but <laughs> Mandy's holding the Bible. Yep. Um, but maybe a good place to start is where we had our second reading on Sunday in Isaiah. Yes, Isaiah 40. Um, one of my favourites. We, we, we're grieving, aren't we, Mandy, that we probably don't have time to read the whole lot. Yes. So yes. where are we reading from um, So I'll start from verse 21 to the end of the chapter. So do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not heard since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. He blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, 
or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say to Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and no understand, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will, re- will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You could say, what do you hold on to? Hold on to that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a majestic passage that reminds Israel that the God who loves them and knows everything about what they're going through, who can see the suffering and, and, and trials and grief that they're experiencing, says, why do you say that I don't know this? Mm. I'm the one who knows everything. I'm sovereign over everything in this universe. You bet I know what is mm. going on with the people that I love. And so yeah. we thought we'd kick off this mm. idea of what to hold on to with the, the wonderful poetry of Isaiah 40, which again, I, I mentioned yesterday, it begins, Isaiah 40 verse 1, is that comfort, comfort my mm. people. This is the word from God to be comforted by his sovereignty. It's also a passage that um, in bits that we couldn't get to challenges the foolishness um, and the offensive foolishness of the world that sees gods in everything else except for their own creator. That now in our time, it may not. It may be idols. There are real people who who worship idols across the world, but uh, and across our city. But there's also people who who have other things that they seek to give glory to instead of their creator. Um, and so. There's a few of those things that go together. So what big truths can we hold on to during COVID? Well, we know that God truly is sovereign. As Christians, we go through all of this that everyone's going through, but we go through knowing the God who is sovereign over it all. Um, everything that happens is under his dominion. And and there's a so, so that's a great comfort because we also know that the God who is sovereign over it all is good, mm. is gracious, he's compassionate, he shows his grace to people even who don't acknowledge him. And yeah. so and so as as Christians we want to hold on to that. Um but we also need to recognize that humanity is opposed to this truly mm. sovereign God. We've got to remember that sin um, has always been humanity's from from Eden has been humanity's response to the one they should be worshiping, and um, and that because he is sovereign over all of that, he's not going to be uh, treated like that. You know, his wrath is being revealed against the godlessness and wickedness of people who reject the truth about him and don't give him the thanks and glory that he's due. Um, and so, one of the things that applies to COVID there is that. We as Christians need to go, there is an element where suffering and pain in this life is actually the result of sin. Now, I'm not saying that COVID has has afflicted the world because of something specific that people have done. I think the world has done so much mm. <laughs> that is wicked and evil, you know, uh, 
God could send this mm. every few years yep. and it would be nothing less than what we deserve. And and to be honest, that's what we've got to hold on to. Mm. As Christians, we've got to look at this and go, uh, who is Australia not to get COVID? Mm. Who is, what, is Sydney such a righteous city that it doesn't deserve lockdown? Uh, yeah. If God said, you know what, I'm going to end the world tomorrow, it would be justice. And, uh, and, and so, which of course we know because we're driven to the cross, we recognise the sin ourselves and so we understand the grace that is, that is in Christ. So it's interesting that um, I thought I'd read to us a prayer yep. from the Book of Common Prayer, 1662, um, and, uh, and back in the day, right, we're, we're sort of going, what's this pandemic stuff? <laughs> it hasn't happened since 1920. Well, uh, back in the 1660s, oh, is it that time for a plague again is kind of the way things happen. And so in the Book of Common Prayer, there's actually a prayer that's subtitled In the Time of Any Common Plague or Sickness. Now, the I'm going to read the prayer to us because it's interesting because it reflects a mindset that recognises the truth that judgment is actually deserved mm. and, that, and that and we have no right to demand of God a trouble-free life. So let me read it to you. O Almighty God, who in thy wrath did send a plague upon thine own people in the wilderness for their obstinate rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And also in the time of King David didst slay with the plague of pestilence three score and ten thousand, and yet remembering thy mercy didst save the rest. Have pity upon us miserable sinners, who now are visited with great sickness and mortality, that like as thou didst then accept of an atonement, and didst command the destroying angel to cease from punishing, so it may now please thee to withdraw from us this plague and grievous sickness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a recognition, a humble recognition before the sovereign God that um, that we need to uh, ask for his mercy and and, the, and that what is being done is, is justice in face of human rebellion. Mm. And so I think it, it also drives us to intercession, doesn't yeah. it, as Christians? So yeah. we know that God's truly sovereign. Um, also the truly sovereign God, and this is what we saw in Ephesians, sorry, in, in Isaiah 40, is our sovereign mm. God. Yeah. Right? It's He goes, comfort, comfort my people, and then describes himself as the one to whom the stars calls every star by name. Mm. But he says, you're my people and your ways, Jacob, are not unknown to me. So the wonderful thing about the truly sovereign God is even though He, our humanity deserves to be judged by him, the truly sovereign God is our God mm. and he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know him even more wonderfully than Isaiah did, yeah. um, who loves us and who works on behalf of his people, whose height and depth and, and width and breadth of his love cannot be fathomed. It's something we can spend a lifetime exploring. Um, so here we go. Um, yep. Mandy, so, do you want to read to us? Yep. This is going to be Purple Passage podcast. So Romans 8, 28 to 39. Yep. And so, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that includes lockdowns. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I know that's a passage that we go back to so often, but there's a reason for that. It it reminds us that the all-powerful sovereign God is our God and no matter, it doesn't, it presupposes these things happen. Mm. Yeah. It's just making the point that they're not going to be able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Yeah. That, that um, because of the God who loves us and who has bought us in Christ, uh, all of those horrible things that happen in life aren't worth comparing to what he has mm. promised for us because he will get us there. So, yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little <laughs> bit there. So, so that's the wonderful thing, isn't it? The truly sovereign God loves his people. And he loves his people and it, and it came out in that even in trials. Mm. So there's a couple of others, a passage that is... Um, uh, so th- those of you that were there, I've, I've, Im- I've cross-stitched this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 9 to 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful passage because it reminds us that as we go through things that remind us of our weakness and, and when we're sitting home and we're feeling funky and sad and anxious and all the other things that we're thinking about and when we're going, why can't we be rid of lockdown? Why can't we be rid of whatever it else it is that, that's going through? We can go, God can remind us that you can endure this. Mm. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I will be there. And and what a wonderful comfort. I I I I lament the non-Christian world that goes through all of this without knowing the God that we know. Yep. Um, uh, 1 Peter 5 verses 6 and 7 is, uh, and I might start from halfway through verse 5, Peter says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Hum- humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Mm. So that recognition of his sovereignty and of his might means that we humble ourselves before him, but it also means we throw our anxieties yeah. um, to him, knowing that he cares for us. So it, you know, if there's one thing you hold on to during times mm. like this, it, it is the wonderful sovereignty of God who loves us. 
Now, the other thing that we can hold on to is the fact that we know that trials have a purpose. Mm. So this is um, apart from the fact that we we know that God will love us through it. We know that actually from the scriptures, trials, there's a reason for them. God actually uses trials, so um, especially for Christians. And so uh, godliness, faith are precious things. And trials is actually what God uses to help us grow in these things, to help us to grow in our dependency upon God, our understanding of his faithfulness, because when we trust him and he proves himself faithful, we are reminded of his faithfulness. And, and faith is something that we want to grow strongly in. And so, for instance, we've got uh, James chapter 1, verses uh, 2 to 5, which I'll, I'll, I'll read to you as soon as I quickly flick back and find it. Okay, so James 1, 2 to 5. This, it's amazing the way he puts this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know something, right? You know that the testing of your faith, the proving of it, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given you. So so that idea of um, where to understand that because God is sovereign over our trials and he loves us, he uses these to refine our faith so that we will persevere in trusting him and then that will actually help us know be mature and complete not lacking anything mm-hmm. so so trials actually a generative of the virtues that give us maturity mm. and so there's a value in themselves yep. Because I think that that's one of the things. I think we often want the end result yes. without the hard work along the way. And that's true of us in all sorts of things. Like, you know, mm. I can declare I want to be able to run a marathon. Don't actually want to have to do all the training that leads to the way. I'd, I'd like to get straight to the end point. Yes. But we know when it comes to an example like that, we know that actually you need to go through the hard work of upping your Ks week by week and week by week and doing that hard work. And it's that hard work that produces the endurance that will actually then enable you to do it in the end. And it'd be wonderful to run into a stadium and breast the tape um, and, and hear all of that, but you've got to run 42 kilometres oh, first. <laughs> uh, 42.195. That 0.195 is a very long 195 metres. I'll I'll just I'll put that out there. I bet it is there. <laughs> uh, so there's another passage too. This is a precious one for you, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, so Romans chapter 5 from verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. God uses those hard things to actually make us to be more like Jesus through his Holy Spirit at work in us. And we need to, those hard things. We might prefer to not do them, but we can't get the end result of the growing in godliness mm. without that sometimes painful work happening mm. in us along the way. I think as you were reading that, one thing that sh- struck me as well is that you we we grow in truth, mm. in our, our access to truth through the trials that cause us to remember it kind of blows away the fog of the immediate and cause us to hope mm. in what the future brings, um, which actually takes us a great to, to the last point of something that we of the big truths we can hold mm. on to is that as Christians, 
Others may not know this. Uh, those who go out living their lives thinking that um, that everything that's in front of them is is just random and all of that sort of stuff, then every calamity could just be around the corner everywhere. Um, whereas we know that there is an end. Mm. So that's something, a big truth we can hold into, is that we know that there is an end. Now, there's two kinds of ends that mm. we know that there could be. The first is that we know that God is merciful in the present. Mm. Um, throughout history, he has um, He has restrained things from going as far as they could. And so, you know, he, he speaks of his character in Exodus 34, which we won't, we won't read now, but it, it talks about the fact how he's gracious and compassionate. That's his anger. very nice, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And so um, he is merciful in the present and he does bring the rain mm. after the drought, right? Yeah. That's the kind of God he is. But even if he didn't, or even if, and this can be a real thing in a time of, of illness and disease, even if he doesn't bring that end about for us mm. in the immediate, there is an end end. Yes. <laughs> um, there, there, there is an ultimate end to all of this suffering and Christians know it and we know it because Christ is risen. Mm. And so that gives us this hope in the future that, that is actually something we can hold and must hold on to wonderfully with it with a tight grip but with a joyous grip so i do want to read us we, we looked at this a couple of years back 1 peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 9 it's all about this yeah so praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than God, gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Great, you know, isn't it? So so that that's what faith looks like. Mm. And faith is generated in hard times mm. as much as if not more than mm. the easier times so what big truths can we hold on to we know that god is truly sovereign we know that trials have a purpose and we know that there is an end okay so that's that's the first big question and is the big one that's one where we've got all of those passages that really remind us of the truths we need to hold on to but the second question we thought is all right well what during this COVID time what faith challenges should we watch out for? Well, we thought we'd split this up into two sort of categories. First of all, on the personal level, what are the faith challenges that we should watch out for on the personal level? And then thinking about it on the relational level as well. So the first one on the on the personal level is that sometimes, in light of what we just looked at, we can let our present sufferings speak louder than God's promises. So that's that kind of thing where it becomes so overwhelming that uh, it, it's the voice of it that says this is hopeless, that there is no future, that there is um, uh, 
the world is just horrible and there's yeah. it's all doom and gloom, right? Yeah. To go, well, God has made promises and he's made promises to us and they're wonderfully real. And we've heard the scriptures, we've read them mm. about about what we're meant to do with those promises, that it is meant to be something we draw upon and, and are reassured by and really hold to. That's what mm. trusting is. Yep. So the danger is, is that we can let everything around us speak too loudly. So, And, and I think there's an obvious you know, solution to that. You've got to keep going back to those promises, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Or the world will is the one that's in your face. Yeah. So the world will sound louder, louder, won't it? Yeah, for sure. I guess one of the other things that we can do is we can also then retreat into ourselves and neglect others. Yes. It's all, so, it's all too hard. So let's pull the shutters in and, well, I'll do what I need to do, but I'll burrow down and I actually forget that there's people out there that belong to me and that I belong to them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We can we can just retreat, seal ourselves away. I, I think that that can also, there's another faith challenge that's wrapped up in that where we we can actually indulge ourselves. So it's mm. not just the withdrawal. It's that actually our world just becomes about us. Um, we, we're a bit more, we don't have people in our face as much. And so basically it goes, what am I want to do? Mm. And, and so we can indulge ourselves and we can forget our responsibilities because they're not so much present because we're not bumping into people and seeing them all the time. We're not noticing things. We yeah. can't tell whether, did you notice the expression on their face? Mm. There, there's all things, be, and we're not necessarily, if, unless we're working against this, we're not necessarily reaching out and finding out. Mm. Yep. So, so because we're occupied by ourselves, so and and we've got to understand that is a faith challenge mm. for when the two great commands are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, you've got a neighbor and not just a guy over the fence. Yes. Um, uh, the third thing on on the on the personal level is um, accountability. So being isolated, we've got to watch out for this. Being isolated makes you feel accountable only to yourself. Mm. Okay. Um. Others aren't there, in other words, to see you. Others aren't there necessarily to pick up on what you're doing or how you're acting or to hold you to account. And so that means that um, this time of isolation can often be a time where we can indulge sinful habits. Mm. This is where Christians often can develop substance abuse mm. problems. Um, people might... Uh, might indulge in pornography and things like that because there's not as many other other people around. There's not people interacting with them as much, asking them questions and challenging them. Yeah. And so being isolated can make you feel like you're accountable only to yourself. Mm. That's a challenge because we aren't just yeah. accountable to ourselves. Yeah. And I guess one of the last ones that we were thinking of is on the personal level, we can actually forget to be thankful. Yeah. When it feels like if you watch the news, it's all doom and gloom. Mm. Uh, when there's lots of things that are hard and challenging at the moment – we can actually forget that even in the midst of hard, there are there is so much that we can be thankful for. Mm. Um, and so we just kind of forget that and we forget that God is the one who's given us everything and actually he's created us. You know, we see it all through Ephesians. He mm. wants us to be thankful for all that he has done for us in Jesus. And so maybe there's an... In an encouragement for us to perhaps be thankful for small mercies. Mm. And that is for perhaps, you know, that old expression where maybe we just need to open our eyes a bit more. And if we're feeling that that's, if we're going, actually, that's true of me, I'm, I'm just finding I'm grumbling at everything and there's nothing that I'm thankful for. Well, 
let's force our eyes open. Let's mm. actually actively look around and go, you know what, this is good. This is something that God has been has has blessed me or other people with just to know that. And what's more, I think it'll lighten your day mm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Apart from the psychological <laughs> thing, it's actually just a healthy thing to do. Yeah. All right, so that's on the personal level. Let's now think about it on the relational level. What are some of the faith challenges, uh, do you think, Mandy, on the relational level? There's a lot. I think one of the big ones is that we can actually let the stress of our circumstances fuel ungodliness. Yeah, yeah. Life is hard at the moment and therefore I'm going to give myself a free pass on the sinfulness that I'm actually indulging in. Yeah. You know, and it can be as simple as the, oh, I get snappy at home because it is actually just hard. Mm. But actually there's no excuse for me Mm. to do that. Like I need to actually work on that because when I snap at my mum, that's hurtful Mm. and that's sinful and that's ungodly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not like um, let's be slow to anger. Oh, unless, of course, you you know, you're in a bad mood. Um, Isn't that exactly (laughs) when you're meant to be slow to anger? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and I think... And COVID makes it harder. yeah, 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 it does. And I think there's a there's a hugely and we're seeing this in our society and unfortunately we can see this within our churches as well that there can be a level of of abuse that can happen with those that we are locked down with Mm. Um, there are tragically increasing levels of domestic violence being reported while people are locked down at home Yep. yep um and that cannot happen like yeah cannot we there is no there is never an excuse abuse mm. and we need to we need to be on guard amongst ourselves of when we actually can see the anger rising and we can see the wanting to lash out in anything that we're doing we need to work out well what do i need to do to actually stop and address this behavior well the other thing is that corresponds to that personal one of feeling you're accountable only to yourself mm. because there's other other people aren't around it means that some of the signs of this are harder to see yeah and and so it but but there is that thing where if if you're sometimes it's 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 the it's even if you looked at it at a lighter level a, a lesser level than domestic violence but but just going stir crazy mm. uh is is you've got to go self-control brothers and sisters mm. uh there's the challenge yeah. you've got to be praying for self-control if you're if you're in lockdown and your um, relationship with the people you're locked down with is in under a bit of strain. This is especially the watch space yep. um, for you. Uh, pray for self-control and graciousness in the way you act towards others. The next one would be um, on the relational level is cr- a critical spirit. Now, um, it, it, it's as we're, we we can often not even notice this in ourselves, but as we're tuning to the news more than once a day, uh, 11 a.m. and whenever else, um, it, it, there can be a critical spirit that can sort of be generated where we're, we're looking at everything online, there's um, st- stuff going on about whether somebody's run the Zoom right or whether there's uh, on, on the live stream it's uh, there was a mistake or, or, or anything else like that. Or it could just be uh, things that come from what we're seeing on the news and getting angry at, at not necessarily Christian people, but just people out there. Uh, it can actually see disunity and foster divisions in our Christian relationships. You're going to have Christians that are going to have a spectrum of ideas that relate to vaccination. Uh, or, or what vaccination you should have, whether you should be vaccinated. There can be right or wrong factually in there and, and, and so on. But 
if if we let the opinions that have been generated by the high pressure situation that we're living in mean that we we suddenly are going to put up dividing walls of hostility between us and other Christians because of the way they think about something like uh, vaccination or lockdowns or anything like that that's a problem mm. right? that that's that's going to be a, that's a challenge for our churches because we've got to recognize that our unity is in Christ not in our view on whether you should take Pfizer or AstraZeneca mm. or, or... Or not have anything at all. Or not have anything <laughs> at all, exactly right. Yeah. Um, so so uh, we, there's a need for wisdom here in recognising differences in what Christians think and practice, having respect for others, being able to work out, all right, I, I think I feel this very strongly because of the our circumstances, but I've got to think how do I act graciously and bear with my brother or sister in this difference yeah. rather than letting it form divisions. Yeah. I think one of the other challenges is of trying to be able to make the most of the less ideal. Mm. I think we see this a lot in the, you know, well, on online church isn't real church, so therefore I'll just stop going to church until we can go to church again. Mm. I've actually heard people say that. Mm. And there's a whole thing that I want to go, I don't love sitting and watching a screen but that is better, being fed from God's word, being in Bible study on Zoom and being able to meet with God's people. Mm. It's better in 2D than not at all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's and right. so that whole thing of, you know, the challenge is, is how do we actually not then just say, well, it's not ideal, so then I'd rather have nothing mm. than I'll make the most of the not ideal that's out there. Yeah, and it's not overly thoughtful about other people, is it? And 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 it can be it's it, whenever we move into spots where we justify neglecting others theologically, we're moving into some mm. pretty um, dangerous, territory. dangerous territory, aren't we? Um, and and so yeah, that I hate this experience, therefore I won't do it. Mm. Um, we've we've got to be maturer than that as, mm. as Christians, and we've got to we've got to watch for those attitudes in ourselves and go, all right, I I need to perhaps so that I'm not resenting this, I need to work on how I feel about it mm. so that I'm not building these things up in yeah. myself. Um, the other thing is is that uh, lamenting loss is reasonable. It's mm. reasonable to lament the loss of what we love and what we don't have. But, but brothers and sisters, don't let it lead to you giving up mm. or, or drawing unwanted conclusions from it like, oh, I don't know, I just don't think I belong anymore. It's COVID. Do not make any <laughs> significant life decisions <laughs> during COVID. It is an yeah. unnatural, even if it goes for by the end of it all two years, it's still not um, a normal circumstance. And so sometimes our feeling of loss can mean we give up, we separate, we, we, we maybe even walk away from uh, Christ mm. because lockdowns led us to just decide that we – to feel good, we actually now will go and do this recreation mm. together and, and distance between us and fellowship just happens and grows and goes, you know what, maybe I won't go back. Mm. And and we find pretexts for that. Yeah. Can I just say, here's, you know how we often talk about WWJD. Mm. Here's, a, here's a bit of Christian wisdom. WWSD, what would Satan do? Mm. So if you're in a certain circumstance where uh, in lockdown, how do you think Satan might use this? 
because he wants to divide Christians. He wants to break down churches. He wants people to stop trusting in Jesus and walk away from him. He wants people doomed for destruction like he is in his miserableness. That's what Satan would do. And so it's a worth asking question when we face the challenges of COVID, go, where might Satan stick his his sand in these gears? Mm. What lies would he spread to, um, in order to, to for COVID to wreck Christchurch? What mm. what's what's the opportunity that's presented to him? Not a bad thing to have in the back of your head and go, well, he might use this thing that I'm wrestling with over here. Mm. Um, you might see the seeds of these things coming in your own thinking and your own internal thought world. Well, I tell you what, if it involves you making the decision to separate from God's people, to not pick up your Bible and pray, can I tell you, you know who's behind this? Yep. Um, don't let him succeed. Mm, yep. And I think even on a relational level, there's that whole thing of, you know, we're losing some of the habits that we'd have, the habit of going to church at the same time and doing that because we can now, we can get church on on demand. Uh, it's harder to walk across the room and talk to, well, actually, it's illegal to walk across the room and talk to someone that you don't yet know. Mm. Um, and so there is that challenge of, like, are we losing some of those good habits that we have of at the same time every week, gathering with other people, reaching out to the outsider. Yeah, this is something we're going to we want to be on the ball with when we can get back mm. together again. Is is to actually go? I will get back together again because this is what God wants, mm. and so therefore it must be what I want. And so, will I get back together again? And then to go, that's right. I'm even though my social circles have shrunk a little bit by. Because of COVID, I've contacted fewer people. When I get back to being in the bigger group, will I walk across the room and speak to the person I haven't met or will I just still keep going with that smaller circle when we're all back again? That's something we will want to overcome. Now, I thought we actually might move to something that's kind of interesting. That's the flip side of not mm, caring. Yeah. And this is something that can easily come and that is where we own everyone's faith. And I think for the conscientious um, uh, Christian, for, for, can I say, the, the pastor or, or the Bible study leader or the small group leader in youth group or, or kids, um, we can sometimes be overburdened by the struggles of others during this time. Um, we notice who's not there and we try and think, what can I do to make sure they're back? Mm. Here's, here's a thing, even as you uh, with integrity strive to, to love people and to keep contact, you need to also remember you're not the Messiah. You didn't – they need Jesus. Yep. Jesus is their Messiah, not you. Mm. Jesus is their saviour, not you. Mm. Um, there's a there's a, a hard reality, and that is that this is a time of testing. Mm. It is a time of proving. Other people are responsible for their own faith. Yes, we are responsible for others, and I don't want to be heard to minimise that, but we need to also hear – They've got to stand up. Mm. I might try and help them, but at the end of the day, they have to be able to go, I will trust Jesus. Yep. There's a time of sorting that's going on. And so there's also a, a thing where we need to recognise there's a time to challenge others, mm. not just pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. There's a time to challenge them on whether they actually love Jesus or not, mm. whether they're going to stay faithful to him, whether they have given up on his people. That's worth a rebuke or a challenge. Mm. Yeah. And then I guess the last one that we were thinking about is that as our, our social circles shrink, as our world shrinks, mm. I think there's a danger that we can forget that there are non-Christians in the world who need to 
no Jesus. Yep. Uh, what we need most of all right now is not a solution to COVID. What we need most of all is for people to know Jesus. Yes. Um, and so I think it can be, there's a real danger that we can lose the sense of gospel urgency. Mm. Um, sometimes it can feel like the opportunities are harder to find because there aren't those water cooler conversations that you're having at work. You're not rubbing shoulders with as many people. There aren't necessarily as many opportunities for questions to arise, mm. but it doesn't mean there are no opportunities. Yeah, and, and I think it, it does what this has often driven us to, and that is to pray more, isn't it? Mm. Because we go, I've got no idea how I can contact or, or get in contact with, say, some non-Christian people that aren't in my social circle. Um and but God does, mm. and and I remember and I remember that Andrew saying that some one time when we we're doing on a prayer walk when we we're uh, thinking about our area, and and that is to go. God can get inside that apartment. Mm. God can get inside that house. We may not be able to, but He can, and He can work in those hearts, any heart. And so it's got to drive us to prayer. So they're the they're the big things that we've got to think about the challenges, and there's plenty of them, aren't there? Mm. But you know, there's some great encouragements. That, that come to okay so those challenges are big but you know what i want us to know that COVID is actually a time where there's opportunities so the third question we want to answer is what opportunities does this forced lockdown provide for us to actually flourish mm. it's we gave a big long list of the things that are challenging but there actually are things that we can actually go here's an opportunity there's yeah. something that this lockdown particularly presents that I can really flourish and benefit from. Um, so, so the first thing I want to say on that one is, is that it is, and we've talked about this already, mm. but there's developing our spiritual routines. Mm. So the normal life is just so hectic and it's so busy. There's travel time and there's all of that. We actually have at the moment the space and the extra time that gives us the opportunity to grow in habits, to grow in disciplines that will benefit us and benefit others for a lifetime. We've got to actually understand that that's what they do. Yeah. If you are reading your Bible more and doing it regularly, you will benefit of that. Mm. You will know God better. You will be a better minister to other people. If you are praying every day, if you're praying thoughtfully, if you're praying faithfully, uh you are effective. That is, mm. God uses prayer, right? Yep. And your own spiritual life will flourish. You will, you will experience a closeness to God because you're actually talking to yep. him. Yep. And, uh, and others will benefit from the fact that you are thoughtfully praying for them. Yep. And what's more, um, you know, there, we often some – we're talking a bit about this before where we can lament the loss of the um, – who are we seeing that is you would say is a prayer warrior – do you know what? That's one thing COVID might do. COVID might generate across the world um, in this busy Western world that we live in thousands and millions more people who have become more dependent upon God in prayer. And and what would God do with that? The one who can do more, incomparably more than we could ask or imagine. These things can benefit us for a lifetime. So, so there's a thing to think through. How can you personally make sure that by the end of this – you have a sustained and rejuvenated prayer life. Mm. There's a goal for everybody listening. There's a yep. goal for everyone in our church. And if at the end of this you came away with that, that has been one of the most precious month, few months of your life yep. that you've ended up coming out with this. Yep. It's an opportunity. Mm. Yep. What's the second thing there? The second thing is that trials are an opportunity to grow in faith and godliness. Mm. 
um, you know, it's the refiner's fire that mm. we were talking about that um, the way that God grows us in godliness is to refine us. It's We talked about it a little bit earlier when we talked about yeah, trials. Yeah. But that whole thing that, like, you know, he can actually use these hard times to shape and mould us to be more and more like Jesus. And that is such a good opportunity. Like, I want to be more like Jesus, mm. so let's take this time that might be hard to actually let him make us more like Jesus. Yeah, so here's a, a way of thinking about it is to go, if if two years ago you could be told in two years' time you can be, you'll be more faithful in prayer, you'll be reading your Bible more, you'll be more like Jesus, you will, have over, you will have worked on areas of godliness and grown in that, your faith will be better, you'll persevere more. Would you take it? You would. Yeah. Well, this, this is the opportunity. The, the testing and the challenge is actually what can generate that result that our hearts really, really desire. It's a desirable outcome. And, and this is exactly what you were just saying for painful, like the marathon thing, yep. painful by process, but the outcome, what, what, a, what a magnificent victory. And I, and I think the last thing I want to say on, on this, in, it relates to what the last challenge that we saw as well, and that is that what COVID has done is it has exposed the Western world's gods as being fake and powerless. Yeah. If your life is about travel, you've been reminded that it it's not about travel. Yeah. If your life is is about um, about partying, um, you've been told that can be snatched away from you. All of the all of these sorts of gods have have been exposed for being fake. We've actually got the real God, who can sustain us and who loves us through all of this, and who nothing can separate us from His love. That's the God, the God of Isaiah forty, that we actually get to share with the idolatrous world around us, and and so um, we've actually got something to offer to a world that has now had the blinds lifted from its eyes to go, you cannot think that you can assume what's going to happen tomorrow and that everything that you've invested your life in is just going to keep rolling that way. You can't do that anymore. It's been exposed. It won't yeah. last. We have got the real answer and may we remember that as we go ahead because hopefully God is working in the hearts of people who don't yet know him that they are starting to work that out as well. So there we go. There's our, our, our three reflections what big truths can we hold on? Um, uh, what faith challenges should we watch out for? And what opportunities does this forced lockdown provide for us to actually flourish? I hope that's been helpful for you. I've been Dave. And I've been Mandy. Join us again uh, next week as we turn to Ephesians 4. Having seen some of the grand picture of all of God has done in the world, we now move into the second half of Ephesians that fill out a bit more what it looks like for us to live for God. Mm.